0: Congratulations,
1: by the way. Oh, thank I you. I didn't
0: know you guys were expecting
1: that. That's awesome. Yeah, we uh, we're in full full baby mode. Uh, it, <laughs> so no sleep. No, yeah, no sleep. Um, you know, which actually, it's uh, he's sleeping about th- every three hours now, or you know, on a three hour kind of cycle. So actually, it's a little bit okay. of a little bit of an upgrade from where we were when we first brought him home, which I think was barely pushing two hours so uh, oh gosh yeah well there's there's
0: nothing greater than being a parent that's for
1: sure oh yeah we are we're enjoying every minute of it and he's already changing so much it's just crazy how uh (laughs) how fast it's going you know and um so no but i uh i want to thank you right off the bat for uh taking a few minutes to chat with me i know we tried to set something up a little while ago and then yeah i just kind of got Preoccupied with some other stuff, and so, but I figured we could circle back and. Uh, Absolutely. Um, I just have a you know a few few questions tonight. Um, you know, and it's interesting with everything going on. I'm I'm curious to see what what your thoughts are and kind of the direction that you think things are headed in. But we'll kind of I kind of want to start, um, uh, by going back a little bit here in time. Um talking more about in your youth and uh, childhood days so just right off the bat um what activities did you participate in most as a kid and you know as you're thinking through um was there any particular activity that stood out to you the most
0: i all the activities i did at a, as a kid i did whatever was available you know i played i went to school in burlington and they have a an awesome rec program there for summer rec and I played soccer one year. We, we did t ball, softball, baseball. I'm moving into high school. Then I played football in the fall. I played basketball in the winter and then the spring. I did track for one year and then I moved on to, moved on to baseball. Um, but to pick a favorite, it would have to be whatever sport was in season at that time. You know, in the fall, football was my favorite winter came, and then, oh, now basketball's my favorite, and then you move into the spring, and it's baseball's my favorite sport. So
1: I was the kid that, that loved whatever sport was in season. Were you, were you the type of uh, kid that you like to, um, like, if you were going to do an activity, you had to have, like, one of your good buddies or kind of tagging along, or were you kind of independent and were willing to kind of do things maybe with people you weren't as familiar with?
0: I, you know, I, I started it out independently and I'm glad my parents pushed me into that. It taught, taught me so many things. I was a shy kid. I wasn't very social and and sports was my comfort zone. It really took me out of my bubble and, and my best friends in high school were, were the athletes, the kids that I hung out with. And, you know, we have lifelong bonds. We don't see each other very often, but but when we do it you go right back to hey remember that basketball game <laughs> or remember that football game back in the day and it just you create a bond that that
1: doesn't break Well, i think that's one of the, the things i look forward to the most when i you know catch up with friends that i haven't seen and teammates uh of of a uh, past you know like you said is is talking about those you know big games those uh tournament games or whatever it was, um, there's some nostalgia that always comes up. And so it's always fun to, to chat and talk about the what ifs and all those different, you know, uh, different stories, you know, because you were, you know, actively involved in um, several different um, sports, can you name a significant accomplishment? And then kind of uh, two question here, can you name a significant uh, failure that you know maybe came about and and what you learned from both of those situations.
0: Oh boy, <laughs> you're talking sports wise now. Yeah. Yep. Um, a failure. I would have to say uh, my biggest failure in athletics was was not getting in the weight room, taking it seriously that way, uh, making myself better. Uh, there is a there is a shot that I go back to in in high school basketball. We're playing Kenmare. And our district was competitive, uh, mine at Ryan. It was their first year of being Class B um, We're playing Kenmer, and we're down by one or two uh, at the buzzer and I caught the ball at the top of the key and I shot it and it felt good, it looked good, but it didn't even draw the rim <laughs> <laughs> that's That was probably my biggest failure as an athlete um my My biggest success story, I would say. Uh, it has to go to coaching and and probably just the bonds that I create with the kids and getting to know it, the kids. And it's I mean, it's not even winning or losing a game as a coach. It's just seeing these, these young men turn into grown men and catching up with them six, seven years down the road and seeing what they're doing with life. And that's probably my biggest accomplishment.
1: So kind of touching on your, um, you know, the the part where you mentioned, you know, maybe not focusing as much on the weight room aspect of, of, uh, of your of your sports, you know, can you talk to me? Was it kind of going back? Was it a thing that coaches, um, was it more, you know, up to the athlete to say, hey, you got to get find time on your own to get in and and get reps and lift and all these different things, or was it just something that maybe at the time didn't interest you? Can you kind of walk me through, you know, maybe what led you to maybe not pursue it as much as you would like like to have?
0: Sure. Yeah, you know, early in the 90s, when I, I graduated in 92, there wasn't much known about weight training at that time. You it just, it, it wasn't a, a practice that athletes did. Um, I mean, it gained popularity after that, but it was... Yeah, the weight rooms on on the stage during the summertime, we have set open gym times. It's up to you if you want to get in there and, and work out and I always made the decision that the doors are open. I'm going to go shoot baskets. Mm-hmm. I'm not going <laughs> to stand on the stage and lift weights. <laughs> so, you know, it was my own decision not to do it, but it it's not as wasn't as popular then as it is now, that's for sure.
1: Well, and and you make a great point because I I draw a lot of comparison in that when I was in school, you know, I I was a gym rat. I constantly was shooting buckets, whatever it was. I often got the lights turned out on me, or you know, if a couple buddies and I were were playing uh, hoops or whatever, we often you know were told to leave, and you know, was, so we were always being kicked out. But the weight room we really didn't become a, a something that interested me until I got to about. Probably a junior in high school, and at that point, you know you've already, your body's already kind of developed, and you know you you've um, you're probably not gonna grow. I mean, I never I didn't grow any uh, taller from you know from my freshman to my senior year, so I was already kind of set. But from the weight room standpoint, I had no really interest until we had a coach come in, uh, Coach Peterson, Cale Peterson. You're probably familiar with him. Um, he came in, brought his uh, weightlifting. Strat, you know, uh, program I should say from the uh, University of Mary, where he was a football coach, and really that was where he sparked not only my interest but a lot of my teammates' interest in weight training and really taking it seriously. And that is, like you said, uh, leading up to that, it was really on you as the athlete. Like, hey, uh, when we break for the summer vacation, you know, we're not going to have a ton of, you know. Uh, structured weight lifts you know we'll have the weight room open from this time to this time it's up to you to get in and and really when you live in a rural community um many of m- many of my teammates myself included came from agricultural farming backgrounds so the demands too from working on the farm to getting into the weight room I mean there was it was definitely a challenge at times and I think um once it became more of a priority to focus on the weight room aspect certainly um you know you could adjust your schedule but from what I hear a lot of of coaches and and players that were in your situation um yeah it was really just up to the athlete so it's interesting that you that you mentioned that when you talk about your accomplishments and the bonds that you were able to kind of form with your um with your athletes you know Because you were kind of a, uh, you would say more of a a shy personality, how did your leadership come to the forefront? Like, how were you able to kind of step outside of that, maybe that box and really galvanize a group of, of athletes?
0: It wasn't easy. That's for sure. Um. I started coaching and I think it was 90, 96, James Johnson approached me to coach junior high football over in Blacks, Burlington and and it wasn't you know, it wasn't my element, wasn't my comfort level at all. And watching his staff and him coach and and then moving into coaching junior high basketball under Doug Wagner at Blacks Burlington and I saw the leadership skills that those guys had and then Moving to Glenburn, uh, watching Pat Lavaccek coach and Doby Tome coach football, and Darren Field just coach football, and Brock Teets and you, you just—I I told myself you got to step up your game here. You're you're coming in after legends that have coached here before, and you just these kids need you to be the leader, and you gotta you gotta get comfortable with it. And I've read a lot of books by John Wooden um, mm-hmm. talking about leadership and. Creating characters and and that, and I guess now it it doesn't come easy, but i'm I'm a
1: lot more comfortable now than I was seven, eight years ago. that's for sure you know and and you don't without naming names or you know, certainly don't have to name names, but was there a situation um when you th- thought maybe you had chosen maybe the right leadership approach and you look back on it and you're like that was completely and utterly the incorrect decision. Um, whether that be getting after a player when maybe they needed more direction than criticism, you know, was there? Can you think of anything like that? Well, oh, absolutely. My,
0: you know, as a young coach, you you think yelling and screaming at at kids is the answer, and I look back at that today and think, man, that was dumb. That's not what kids need. That's not how you motivate kids. Uh, kids, kids need your support. You need, they need your guidance, and you get more more out of a kid if you don't yell at them, I found out. Um, you got to build them up and keep building that base and that foundation and help them develop into leaders themselves. That was my biggest
1: mistake, is thinking, yelling, and screaming at a kid was going to bring the best out of them, because it doesn't. So, and you kind of touched on a question that I have later on down the line here, which I'll just ask you now. Um, do you believe that this generation of coach or coaches um that are out in the field today are too soft on their athletes because i've heard i've heard the argument from both sides, and I can see it from both sides i you know I was the type of athlete that i didn't necessarily crumble, crumble under criticism you know if if a coach was you know in my ear about something, I almost felt more relaxed because i I knew I had the attention of the coach. I was, um, I always heard, you know, people say, well, when the, when the coach stops yelling at you, then that's when you need to be concerned. Um, but then again, like you said, on the flip side of that, you know, was that approach maybe the best? I don't know, you know, so just, t- just thinking in today's terms or today's world, do you think that coaches tend to be too soft? I
0: wouldn't say too soft. I I think younger coaches are more worried about being the athlete's friend, mm-hmm. and and crossing that line maybe a little bit as friend versus coach. But I'm a I'm a huge believer in in relationships and developing relationships with your athletes. And I, I think that's huge, and some people might perceive that as soft. And yeah, that's a hard that's a hard question to answer, but.
1: Well, and, and part of it, I think, you know, for young coaches, um, just from purely my observation, I think earning respect of the athletes is also a challenge in itself amongst everything else that a young coach has to deal with. And sometimes I think the correlation between trying to earn respect and um, get those athletes to follow your lead can turn, like you said, you think you might need to yell more than you need to or whatever. So, Larry, in your opinion, you know, how much of earning respect helped you um, kind of change that philosophy of where you, you thought, well, I don't necessarily need to yell at these players to get them to do what I want. Maybe it's more of earning that respect. Can you kind of talk to me how those two maybe co- coexist with one another?
0: Right. If your if your kids don't respect you, they're not going to play for you. Um, whether you yell at them or or don't yell at them and you treat them uh, soft, uh, so to say, you got to know your kids. There's there's kids that yeah, I could I could lose it and yell and scream at them and they would run through a brick wall for me. But most of the time, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. You you have to get their respect. You have to get them uh, to trust you and to believe in you. Um, and an example that I can think of, uh, the kids actually buying into what I was saying. We were playing Berthold in a district uh, region qualifier game. I think Trent Marcourt was, uh, I think he was a sophomore, maybe a junior. And we're down by three with like five seconds left, and we got to go, you know, ninety feet. We're taking the ball out on a bounce. We called a timeout, and we drew up a play we practiced for like a month, Um, and I looked at the kids and I said, Trent's gonna make this, we're we're going to overtime, and we're gonna win, and you could see it in those kids' eyes that, you know, he's right, we've practiced this, we're ready for this situation, and God willing, Trent Trent got a good look, he banked it in, went to overtime, and then we lost. (laughs) But, I mean, just the confidence of telling them that I believed in them and that, hey, this is what's gonna happen, we're going to throw it here. He's going to throw it to Trent, and and it worked. I mean, that that was the moment I I saw the trust coming from the kids
1: probably the most. And and I think you you know as you're laying that story out, you can, I can get the sense that 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 earning respect it takes it's a long uh, process. I mean, it certainly does, I don't think happens quickly. I think you have to um, show a level of consistency in your coaching. And like you said, um, you know, earning those, those athletes trust will help that. And then you said like, fast forward into a situation in that game. Um, I've certainly been in huddles where you, you get the sense of, of, uh, I don't know if community is the right word, but like you said, everybody's on the same page. You know that you've gone over this situation many times. And so, um, I think it's interesting when you see those, situations comes up and how and how everything that you've t- been taught and observed from other coaches can come right to a moment like that and you knew exactly kind of what to do and and uh you know and and from you know from the play itself I mean you just need an opportunity especially at the late you know end of the late uh game situations um and hey you know the bank the bank was open so that's uh <laughs> that's something so um, it was
0: it wasn't closed that night that's for sure <laughs>
1: so kind of uh i want to uh, kind of go back here to to you um when you were in high school um you know you talked a lot a bit about participating in football track uh baseball was certainly um an interest of yours and maybe i'm doubling up here on questions but once you got into high school can you tell me which which sports kind of stood out to you the most and ones that you liked focusing on them on the most
0: i would i would have to say i'd probably put more time into basketball itself um i I love playing football that's what my friends did um i wasn't very good at it i i was a receiver and uh and a free safety and i really didn't see the field until my senior year and i was a defensive starter but the most time I, I put into anything was basketball, you know, that was, I grew up with a basketball in my hand. My dad was military. So we would, we'd would go to the youth rec center and, and play basketball. And in high school, he'd get off work at 11 o'clock at night. He'd call me and say, Hey, come to the gym. The guys and I are playing. So I would take a couple of friends out there and we'd go shoot some groups. And that was probably the sport that I put the most time into. Um, baseball not a lot of time uh back in the back in the day when i was a kid there, w- there wasn't much out there for skill development or sure. personal trainers or any of that but for sure basketball
1: you know you always hear players um talk about you know maybe after the fact they you know like you said you didn't maybe quite have the like on foot on the football field Um, weren't maybe seeing things as well. Was there a point ever, and it doesn't have to be necessarily in football, but in a particular sport where things slowed down for you and you really were able to kind of um, hone in on your skills. And and I I know for me that kind of happened mm, end of my eh, sophomore into junior year. I really felt like things around me were slowing down. I understood, you know, whether it was football um, concepts and different things like that plays same thing with basketball can it was there a moment that you can kind of remember where that happened for you
0: yeah I, I think it was my my junior year we're playing garrison at the auditorium and I I just felt they call it the zone and being in the zone and and I don't think I scored that many points but the game seemed really slow to me in my head and, it, you know, it became a lot easier to, to see things and see the floor and anticipate on defense a little better because you kind of felt like you knew what the other team was going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when things really slowed down. And then, you know, that transferred into football. And when I coached football, I always believed a kid that's scared, they just need to get hit really hard one time so they know it doesn't hurt. And, and that happened my junior year. I got popped pretty good at practice, and I was like, you know that ain't so bad. Yeah. This is this is kind of fun actually, and yeah. So I'd say my sophomore, junior year is when it slowed down in my head, anyways.
1: Do you think the same concept of things slowing down is uh, prevalent for coaches? Do you think coaches get to a point where they are, you know, because um, you're from you're, you're you're viewing things from a different from a different lens. You're not on the you're not on the court or the field at that point, but you're off to the side. Do you think coaches experience the same type of feeling? Oh, absolutely!
0: You know, my first few years of coaching at the varsity level, the game was fast, and I, you forget how fast it actually is. And you're you're thinking in the moment. And now, as I've gotten older and more experienced as coaching, you're thinking, you know, two, three plays ahead, a quarter ahead. Um, what am I going to do if this coach does that, or just this, this kid starts making shots? Who are we going to put on him? And and yeah, I, I mean that that comes with experience for sure.
1: Did you ever, um, and you can answer this from uh, both perspectives, from a coach or a player, did you ever get burned out at any point?
0: Have you ever? Uh, oh, burned out. Yeah, I, there's, I mean, you have my first two years of coaching uh, varsity basketball here in Glenburn. We didn't win a game. And, you know, going into that third year, we won one game. And you start questioning what you're doing, if you're doing things right. Um, why you're doing it? Is it worth being away from your family? We had, we had young kids at that time, and you definitely reach that burnout point. But I, I don't regret fighting through it and sticking it out.
1: During a a really kind of trying couple of seasons there, and then you said in the third season or the third year, you won a game. What was the message to your athletes? Um, you know, after, you know those crushing losses I mean like you said as a coach you start to feel that burnout and that you know you questioning what was your message to your athletes to keep them you know staying the course and and you know that buy-in tradition
0: right well you know the challenge was my first three years I think we graduated two seniors in those three years so we were really young and just to keep those young kids going and telling them you trust the process this is a bigger picture than what you're seeing right now the results the results will come and they eventually did um we uh i think josh farmer's senior year sam Zelensky's senior year you know they took lumps as freshmen and and sophomores and when they became seniors you know they got the goal of going to regions so it, it paid off they trusted the process and you know we're rewarded for taking those lumps at that time.
1: How hard is it to get athletes, especially uh, in the in in the position that maybe you were in, to you know, like you said, you you set goals, you set you know, um, you're, you're kind of attacking each day, but really, how hard is it to galvanize a group to want to come to practice, to want to you know play for one another because. I've certainly been on my fair share of, of teams where we didn't win a lot. Um, we, I think there was a lot more learning involved than there was maybe successes. Um, but I look back on it and I wouldn't change it, you know, for anything I would, uh, I think because of those experiences, it kind of toughened me up as an athlete. And then, you know, now later on, I feel like I have a different perspective of, of those harder times. So for you, I mean, really, how difficult is it? Because even if you have the talent, you know, let's say you've got the talent, you've got everything, you've got the tools. um, I mean, how hard is it still to get a group to say like, okay, we had a setback here, now let's just push forward and, and, you know, and maybe I'm doubling up on questions here, but kind of walk me through more in depth of like how you from point A to point B
0: it's extremely difficult. You start your season off with, you know, non-district games, games that you're trying to fill each other out and learn what your teammates can do and what we can do as a a team. And then you get into the district grind. And the, the hard stretch I see as a coach is during that district grind leading up to the district tournament, it seems like that's when you start to see the burnout with kids um as a coach i've learned to shorten practices up take a day off here and there we uh we go bowling or out for pizza go to a, a beaver's game just to give the kids a
1: break physically and and that seems to help a little bit but that that february time that gets to be a hard stretch for everybody sure it, it's the kind of those the dog days of <coughs> of the winter athletics and um what um you know as you as you kind of wrapped up your and i'm kind of uh, i apologize Larry, I'm kind of going back here again as you were wrapping up your high school career um, where did you see your your time being spent after school where where did you end up um, going to school afterwards and and exactly what did you pursue
0: sure so when i when I graduated from school i I enrolled in Minot State right away. I, my goals and aspirations at that time was i was going to be a athletic trainer um, and it, it didn't work out i school wasn't right for me right out of high school mm-hmm. um, so i took some time off i went into retail worked retail got married um, and my wife Danan was coaching volleyball up here in glenburn and teaches third grade here and i saw the love that she had for education and coaching kids and working with kids and that kind of lit my fire and pushed me to go back to school uh, and get my phy degree um and then after that i i liked it so much i was approached about becoming an administrator so i got my master's degree from north dakota state and that was so fun being a principal for 10 11 years i decided i should become a superintendent this year and got that credential through university of mary Um, so, you know, education wasn't the goal to start with, but I guess I should have known deep down that's where I would end up, just because of my love for
1: sports. What was the What was the program at North Dakota State? Cause I, so I just, I got an undergraduate in sport management, and then I went back for my master's in physical education and leadership, so I'm just curious to what the program name was.
0: At Minnesota State, it was they called it corporate fitness at that time.
1: Corporate fitness, and then you said you you did your masters at at NDSU. North
0: Dakota State. Yep, I took educational leadership through. Edu- they call it Tri College, but my classes were through North Dakota State.
1: Do you remember any of the uh, uh, course instructors that you had?
0: Uh, Dr. Ann Clapper was my advisor. Okay. Uh, she she taught most of the classes. I don't. I don't really remember any of the other instructors that were in that program at that time.
1: Okay. I was just curious if there was maybe any overlap there between um, who you had and who I might have had. But um, so, you know, as you kind of realize that, um, you know, educate, you know, education and then obviously physical education was something that you wanted to pursue, kind of fast forwarding to today and, you know, as you look back on all your experiences how has, how has the aspect of social media affected the way that you go about your day-to-day business?
0: <laughs> so social media can, can be your best friend one minute, and then the next minute it can be your worst enemy. Um. We, we try to use it in Glenburn as a, as a positive thing. We try to get information out to parents uh, as quickly as we possibly can. We use it more as a communication tool, whether it's calendar stuff. Um, right now we're using our district page to update uh, the gover- governor's orders and the COVID situation that's going on with schools and that. But social media can be very dangerous if you don't use it properly so you you try to walk that fine line without without teetering off
1: of it. do you think that you know social media will be something that even further down the line um, you know if it isn't already integrated, like you said you know you use it as a tool for getting information out to to parents and whatnot. Do you see it becoming even more involved um from a coaching standpoint do you know do you see there any? any overlap happening or, um, where you as a coach can somehow utilize social media within a practice? I mean, it's kind of an out there concept, but do you see that ever happening?
0: Well, oh, I, th- I think absolutely. You can, as a coach, you could probably reach out to coaches at the national level through social media, um, maybe do some virtual trainings that way through social media with those, those kind of people. Um, I I think it could be a great tool for that. I do think it's going to keep growing. Social media is not going to go away. These kids, that's all they've known. They've grown up with it. They were born in into it. Um, mm-hmm. They know a lot of, more about it than I do, but I think, I mean, it's a great way to make connect, connections not only at the state level, but probably at a national level even.
1: And you hear that a lot too, and like you said, you touched on it with, um, you know, coaches in, in different areas of the country being able to reach out to um, other coaches, which um, that's a big part of it too. You know, you're, you're always looking for that next bit of information that you can utilize in your practices and, and what in your department. And so it's interesting to see where that's headed and it's always um, interesting to get, you know, perspective um, from coaches and people within the field kind of, you know, continuing, continuing on from the, you know, the athletic, administrative side of this of the places that you've coached and you've had a chance to, you know, programs that you've had a chance to be a part of and, or maybe even observe how has the, how has title nine affected your, um, career?
0: Um, title nine, <laughs> you have to you make sure, you know, everybody's afforded the same, same opportunities.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, don't, don't favor girls over boys or boys over girls. Um, and that's been easy in Glenburn uh, for me to do. We recently started up a varsity softball program for our girls. Um, you know, our boys co-op with mohall mm-hmm. We do we do track, uh, volleyball in the fall, basketball in the winter. It's to me, it's been very easy to tread that, and maybe that's a dangerous word saying easy. Um, it's always something your mind's thinking about. Uh, when you make decisions is okay is you know is this the right decision to make at this time and and yeah i guess i don't think i've ever had a problem with title 9 but it's definitely a,
1: a fine line that you want to want to be careful when you tread it and and going off of that too you know t- there's title 9 um, also you know booster clubs you know you read a lot today in in the national news of of um, maybe you know, unfair practices that, you know, involve, uh, booster clubs and all of those things, just in your observation and opinion, um, how do you view booster clubs and the benefits that they obviously give you, you know, programs, um, but what's something that you have to be careful with when dealing with those types of, of those organizations? Uh, booster clubs can be, can be your best friend. We started
0: our booster club, I believe, in 0- 05 or 07. I don't remember the exact year. Um, and it's been great. And they, when we created it, we created it for all activity. It wasn't just a sports booster club or a music booster club at that time. Um, so we made sure we we covered everything. Uh, we set the same expectations. If if the basketball team wanted money or came and requested some funds, uh, that they had to meet the same the same requirements as any other team like the band or, or whatever. Um, it, it can be difficult to do. It depends on who you have on your board. Um, we were very fortunate. We didn't get parents that had personal agendas or agendas for certain teams or any mm-hmm. of that. Um, they were very fair on selecting who
1: got what and they, I thought they did very well with it. And how much of, I mean, you know, and you touched on it briefly, uh, how much of the parent aspect do you have to be, um, I don't want to say concerned, but aware of, and how much that plays a role into everything that you have to accomplish within a, within a year, you know, so whether it's dealing, you know, from a booster club standpoint, a coaching kind of talk to me where parents, how you've been able to manage, you know, the different personalities that come with, with parents.
0: Right, well, and I have to say the parents in Glenburn have been fantastic. Uh, the Any parent I guess I've dealt with coaching-wise and even school-wise, they've been great. You, you have to know the person itself, uh, themselves, know their kid. Um, every parent wants the best for their kid. They, they want to see their kid succeed, and I guess it's my job as a coach is to put kids in positions to be successful and help them get to be successful. And that might be a kid maybe never even seeing the floor, but just making friendships and things like that. I, you know, you call that a success for a kid too. And the, and so those kids have always appreciated that, that, Hey, they're, they're included. They don't care if they get to play or not, or if they score or, or whatever, they, they're happy. Their kid was included. And without, you
1: know, putting too much of a target on your back here, Larry, with, with this next question, you know, there's always that, you know, like you said, your parents want the best for their kids. And, you know, now that I am a newly uh, parent here within the last three weeks, you know, I certainly already am thinking of, of the opportunities that, you know, my son will have um, presented to him. And, you know, and I want, you know, like you want the best for them. So with that being said, you read sometimes or you hear in the news or wherever um, of parents that will move their child from, you know, a certain school, so like a different class, you know, maybe going from a class A to a class B, based base purely on the um, opportunity for their child to play. Now, it doesn't mean, why, you know, to start necessarily, but the opportunity to play kind of give me your opinion on on that and how you think that affects the the player involved and and kind of the you as a coach you know if you have an athlete that's coming in from maybe a bigger school but decided to come to a smaller area h- how do you manage all of that
0: that you know that that can be tough you you tread carefully um if, if you get a new kid coming in uh, to your building you got to you got to create the culture that's welcoming and, and nurturing, and hope the kids that you have coming back ex- accept that student uh, and that kid into your program. And then, you know, if you have a kid leaving uh, that you're you're kind of counting on for leadership or, or whatever, I mean, you 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 thank them for their time, you applaud them for what they gave to your program, and you you wish them the best luck moving forward. But <clears throat> those can be difficult um depending on the situation you know it's as a parent i understand if another parent thinks you know taking their kid out or bringing their kid into my program is what's best for their kid i'll support that 100 percent every time do you think do you think
1: that there's um, too much, I don't know if this is the right word, but that's ne- like freedom when it comes to, and it's hard, you know, when you look at where Glenburn is uh, just, you know, geographically, it, maybe you don't see it as much, but take it, you know, if you're inside, uh, you know, Minot, there's class A and class B schools that exist in, that, in the town. Uh, do you think that there's too much freedom be- between being able to take, you know, an athlete out of one program and move them into a different one Based purely on just athletics and and why do they get the opportunity to play at another program,
0: right? I I, I don't even know how to how to say this. Um, I don't. Uh, I guess I, under, I understand what happened. You know, like I'm going to use Minot for example, and it's nothing against our redeemers or Minot Ryan, um, but you got a kid that's going to Minot High for you know, all their years going into eighth grade and all they're becoming ninth graders. And, you know, by the time they're a freshman, they know I'm not going to play at Minot High. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they do go to our Redeemers or they transfer to Minot Ryan and, and great for them. They're going to get that opportunity to play. Um, but being 25 miles away from Minot, we don't get those kids. Um, we get the kids that have probably been here since kindergarten, maybe once in a while you get a kid to move into your district, um, it just doesn't happen as often in in Glenburn or even Mall, for that matter.
1: Sure, it, it is what it is, and you just kind of take it for what it's worth. But definitely, uh, probably an advantage living, at least in the larger communities. And the and, you, and the only reason I bring it up is just you know, so I've lived in Fargo for six years now, and um, you you hear a lot of of movement and kind of chatter where. Uh, certain athletes might move to a different school just because of the opportunities to play. And, you know, before the, you know, uh, before I would think, well, that seems interesting that they will, you know, that he or she would want to move um, out of a bigger, you know, out of a different class into a different, you know, class B or whatever, you know, uh, maybe. And now that I have a a son, uh, you know, or and maybe a daughter one day or what doesn't matter, but I can see it now from the perspective of well, I don't necessarily know if if being in that bigger school is going to give them the best opportunity to see the field. So I can see why where, where maybe where a parent would say, let why don't we go to a you know a, a smaller school? Um, you might have more of an opportunity to just to to see the field. It doesn't like you said doesn't mean you're guaranteed a starting or anything like that. Um, so it's always interesting having lived here in Fargo, you just see it. So I'm always curious when you talk about more rural communities like Glenburn, Mulhall, um, how much of that, how much impact there is. Uh, Larry, one of the questions that I had um, and, and, and we're going to kind of move into just what's happening in today's world. Um, sure. Obviously there's a lot going on. Um, you know, as, as we've seen with COVID-19 it's, it's had, um, or it's changed the way that we do everything, whether it's, um you know sports or non-sports related what you know from a sports perspective uh, because this is a sports podcast what has the current health situation taught you the most
0: oh man
1: and i know we're living and i know we're kind of living day by day and we're still going through it so it's hard to say well it taught me this but this this far in what what has it taught you the most probably just personal health care itself
0: taking care of yourself doing doing the little things that you know maybe took for granted uh, like washing your hands and practicing good hygiene and personal hygiene and and socially distancing yourself um, when you're not feeling well or now you know even masking up or wearing a face covering Uh, the big you know that's been the biggest thing for me is just being uh, cognizant of Hey, you know, sneeze into your elbow. Wash your hands after you blow your nose. All the things that you took for granted before. Now you, now you think about it, and you're aware of those things even more than what you were before. What? And then health wise, as far as sports goes, um, just spacing spacing people out in the gym. Uh, but you know, that's a challenge. Getting kids not to share water bottles. Uh, when when we were in school, we dumped our water bottle into the big Gatorade tub and put water in our bottles that way. And now you're telling kids don't share water bottles and don't share this and don't share that. And you know you just more do a more concentrated effort to keep everybody healthy.
1: So you know, and, you, and we've heard, we've seen a lot within the uh, the you know the news and. And this, you know, right now things are kind of on pause for winter sports as far as their startup dates and all these things. I know last year was kind of a, you know, hindsight's 2020. 20. Nobody knew what we were getting into. So it's easy to say, well, we should have did this, that, now having some time to reflect. What has been the message that you've had to convey to your athletes um, on the possibility of shortened seasons, potentially, you know, and and you hate for it to get to this point, but it's certainly something within the realm of, of plausibility, um, of, you know, canceling a season. I mean, for seniors, um, looking to kind of have that last ride, most, you know, most athletes, especially in the upper Midwest, won't go on to a bigger school, um, to play athletics. Usually the high school is kind of the end of the road. So what is your message and having to navigate all that? I mean, it, it it must be difficult to say well hey you know we don't know what's going to happen let's just keep our head down or or, you know tell me what what you kind of how you walk through that situation
0: right so what we what we did with our athletes here in Glenburn you know before school started we we had the coaches and, and the ADs sit down with them and just tell them you're not guaranteed tomorrow um take take today give it everything you got to appreciate what you have at this moment um, to have no regrets you know don't don't take a day off when you're out in that field leave leave it all on the field leave it all on the court no matter what you're doing because you don't know what tomorrow brings we could we could get that call that hey we're done you know it's shut down for good uh, there is no season or we're, we're canceling the rest of the season that started and and our kids were great with that. They did everything we asked them to do. They, they wore their masks. Um, at the end of volleyball season, they were wearing their masks at practice. They, the kids wanted the season to, to finish, and they did what it took to finish that season. Um, it was just, you, you feel bad for them, you know. And it's oh, personal. Yeah. I've got a senior son uh, that his basketball season's on hold right now, and my, my heart breaks for that kid. But. Hopefully, we can get it started back up and we can do the
1: keep doing the things we've been doing to keep the seasons rolling safely. What What's a you know, and, and for your son, what's a good teaching point that can be made that you know he can uh, he may not understand it now, he may not understand it, you know, five years from now, but somewhere down the line, um, it might you know click and, and, and be like, oh, okay, I, I understand it. Uh, is there a, a teaching moment there that, like you said, you know, besides? leaving it all out on the court and field.
0: Right. We we talk about uh with him controlling the controllables. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't control uh the situation that's at hand. Uh nobody can control it. So take make the most of each moment that you that you have because you're not guaranteed the next one.
1: For sure. And that's a good and I think that's a great point um to be made because, you know, Nobody knows, you know, what the future holds, and certainly with, with this COVID, uh, kind of fiasco, it changes every day. I mean, we've been saying that for several months now. It's it's a day by day type thing, and especially now that, uh, we're back into the full swing of of sport, you know, of the of the sports seasons. Um, you know, for me, I I look I I think about how I would have reacted had this you know had something like this happened when I was in school, and you know, I think I speak for a lot of people or a lot of athletes out there. I mean, when you're in high school, um, your, your world revolves around very little things in terms of, of, um, interests and really it's just your, your, uh, your hobbies or whatever, you know, really, whatever gets you out of bed and, you know, into, into school. And that for me was, uh, being around my friends and, and, playing the act you know playing in activities together and whatnot so I think about well how would I have reacted if somebody if I came to practice and our coach said you know well uh I hate to tell you but we're not going to have you know we're not going to be able to finish this season out or and I don't know I, I think I would have had a tough time with that because sports like for many people is a safe haven it's a it's a place to escape kind of um you know The classroom walls and the the stress of just being in high school and having to navigate all of those different, um, you know, different uh, day-to-day situations. So it's hard for me to put into words, but I think knowing what, you know, what we've seen now is, like you said, don't take for granted, you know, really appreciate what you have, you know, the time that you have, and especially for seniors, um, that's tough. I mean, there's really no other way to spin it. Um, you hate to see, you know, athletes have to hang it up early when, when there's so much, you think you know time ahead of you when, when uh, right. someone else has to make the decision. Well, no, we, you know, but obviously safety and, and public health too is is very, you know, is always uh, uh, important too. So. <laughs> My last question Larry of the night um and this is kind of just a kind of just a random question that I thought was interesting or um you know nowadays we see you know with kind of coupled with the social media talk and everything that we've gone over tonight um you hear a lot more of athletes and you know the athletes parents um utilizing and hiring personal trainers for their um, child in the off season kind of talk to me what your opinion is on that and and how much of of it can be a headache when you're um, coming back into the season as a coach and or maybe there isn't uh, too big of a of a conflict there just kind of talk to me what your opinion is on that
0: right well you know it, it depends on on who they get as a personal trainer um, if they're looking out for the bent, best interest of of one of my athletes uh, and that's what their goal in mind is, is to make that athlete better. Um, they have the best best interest in mind for that athlete. Um, I totally support that 100%. Um, as a coach, you just want kids in the gym. You want them getting better, uh, makes your team better. Uh, the The trainers that I, you know, wouldn't support would be the, the trainer that dashes coaches, whether it's specifically, you know, me or – or any coach that that athlete is playing for Mm -hmm. um, as long as they support what we're doing helping that kid become better to help our program 100 percent, go for it but if if that trainer is just out there making you run laps and go up and down and do whatever just just to make a profit i i'm not okay with that
1: how how much of um how much of the recruiting aspect comes into into play for you and how are you been able to manage athletes that are getting looks from um, some of the schools uh, in the area, or you know wherever you, you know? How how have you handled recruitment? I think you know social media has really taken recruiting
0: out of our hands. You know, before the college coaches relied on us communicating with them. You know, we've got a kid. I think you should take a look at it. You know, now most schools in North Dakota use huddle and. You create a highlight film and you can email it to 20 coaches you know by the click of a button Mm -hmm. and you're i think it makes recruiting a little easier uh, that way to get kids names out there you can create a highlight film in a matter of minutes and and send it out and every coach that 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 kid's interested in getting their name to has a video um, and their email and if you want to send their cell phone and whatever right i think that piece has gotten easier uh, the harder part is you know they don't they don't always talk to us right. <laughs> anymore they leave they leave us coaches out of the loop and i I guess my message to the student athletes is we can still help you uh, navigate through that a little easier than trying to do it by yourself.
1: Do you think that um you know with with recruiting and and the like you said with the access that social media now gives um athletes and coaches and and everybody involved do you think like the highlight tape it kind of drives this meme and like the meme mentality too much so um everybody wants you know to have that opportunity that look or whatever you know if they they feel that there's um that they have something to present but do you think that creates too much of a um what's the word i'm looking for Centralized, you know, like, hey, look at me versus look at the team type thing it, or... i I think, yes, I do, I think you have to navigate that carefully um if I, if I help a kid
0: make a highlight tape we're we're trying to find uh highlights that show off the athleticism um, you know you can clip any video you want if you made one three pointer in a game, you can clip that thing ten times and it looks like you made ten three pointers, so we right. We try to focus on athleticism, uh, plays that show off a kid's athleticism to the coach a little bit, maybe some unselfish plays, a kid diving on the floor or taking a charge or, you know, showing the whole picture instead of just uh, a little narrow picture that maybe highlights films can do.
1: Sure, sure. And, you know, and that's one thing that I see a lot too in, in just the social media and the technology world that we live in um, like you said, you can create anything at the, you know, at the touch of a, uh, of a button nowadays. And one thing that I have noticed because of that, um, I, I often wonder if that takes away from the whole team aspect of um, amateur sports and, and what the kind of the goals are at that level of competition, especially when you're in high school. Um, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with an athlete wanting to get his, his or her name out there. Um, you certainly have to present yourself, um, you know, because not everybody is going to know who you are. Not everybody has the, you know, so it there it's definitely a kind of a fine line, but it's interesting. Um, I, I see this hopefully not taking over to extent because you, you know, I think you can run into issues where you have uh, an athlete in, in practice that might I don't know, use it as some sort of angst against someone else. You know, hey, I've got my, you know, highlight tape that needs, you know, you got to get me the ball or, you know, those types of situations can um, hopefully don't foster and come up too much. But I think with, right. with everything that kids have access to nowadays, it's certainly something, like you said, as a as a coach, you have to be aware about. Uh, Larry, I want to just thank you again for, for talking to me tonight. I know I kind of went bounced all over the place, but... Um it's always interesting when I get coaches and and ADs and and uh people that have had a uh, a long and kind of roller coaster uh road of experiences um kind of interesting because everybody anybody that listens to this is um going to be interested in in all of those experiences and especially the ones that you talked about tonight. So thank you for sharing those with us and um I hope I hope everything goes well um back in in glenburn and the surrounding area there i know um things are kind of up in the air as far as is what the winter is going to bring but i i hope that you know we can get the kids back on the court and and hopefully see this thing through the through the spring yeah, absolutely
0: we're, we're keeping our fingers crossed that that we can get things under control and it's safe to get these kids back in the gym and it's a pleasure talking to you, Blaine. It's been a long time since I've seen you, but <laughs> congratulations again on on the baby, and I I wish you and your family well.
1: Uh, same to you, and uh, best of luck to, to the to the teams um, up north there. And I I I, I wish uh, wish you guys health and and uh, safety. So take care. Say hi to everyone for me. Um, you said Jalen's he's a senior this year.
0: He is. Yeah, so, it's, it's hard to believe. <laughs> isn't that
1: crazy? Um well, give my give my best to him as well and uh um, you take care, all right? Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Lynn.